Welcome back to the Don't Look Now podcast with your glorious hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hageman, telling you about whatever our random topic of the day is. And as always, we'll have Jenny let us know. What are we going to be talking about today, Jenny? I'm going to read you poetry. Ooh. I know. I figured you'd love this. Oh, no. This is is bad, folks. (laughs) This is is. bad. Just for the record, I do hate poetry, but uh, this is one of my favorite poems. All right. We loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee, with a love that was winged seraphs of heaven, coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in the kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out a chilling chill, my beautiful Annabelle Lee. Nice. Do we know what this is? This is his Poe, right? Edgar Allan Poe. All right. Good deal. So he's an American poet, and he's well known for his Gothic literature. Um, and it's a form of dark romantic-esque writing mm-hmm. that was made popular in the mid-1800s. Um, and this whole movement, known as the Romanticism Movement, um, impacted all of art and literature all around the world. And it utilized certain tropes to emphasize emotion and individualism, as well as a glorification of things of the past. So this was right at that um, part of the industrial period. So it's like right okay. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and... People were kind of rebelling. They really did not like the Industrial Revolution. They didn't like the aristocracy. And they were confused by scientific rationalization as part of the Age of Enlightenment. Um, Everything's changing fast. Yeah. And they really liked this idea of using emotion as this authentic aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, So Poe in particular put a lot of emphasis on horror, on terror, on awe, on longing, on these deep emotional feels. And when he wrote, he wrote from that place. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so an example of this is the telltale heart where, you know, he narrates this murder of his landlord and how he, only he yeah. can hear the beating of the landlord's heart under his floorboards. Yeah. And he becomes more and more paranoid as the cops come and question him. And then he eventually gets so paranoid by the beating of this heart. And you can feel like the thump, thump, bump as he's talking yeah. that he just tells them, yep, I killed him. Like, and just a piece of we're out, like it's done. Um, but from that, it's, often most of his poetry and stories are told from the narrator's perspective. Yeah. So a lot of this kind of writing is written from the individual. So even as he's talking about his Annabelle Lee, mm-hmm. it's very like possessive. It's my Annabelle Lee. It's yeah. she was my angel. She was my, you know, it's about me. It's not about you, Yeah. <laughs> but it's also kind of haunting and kind of yeah. just glorious and beautiful too. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people think that Poe is extremely depressing. Yeah. Um, it's dark. It's sad. It's lonely. And the question is, where does that kind of story come from? Yeah. So let's talk about Edgar Allan Poe. All right. Sounds good to me. Okay. Edgar Allan Poe was born in Boston in 1809. He was the second child to two actors who were putting on Shakespeare's King Lear, and he was named after one of the characters from King Lear. I did not know that. (laughs) Right? need to read more Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A year after his birth, his father decides to totally abandon the family, and then a year after that, his mother dies. (laughs) Um, So now he's been orphaned, 
And his family decides to send him, the remaining aunts, uncles, whatever, mm-hmm. decide to send him to Richmond, Virginia to live with the Allen family, which okay. is where the uh, Edgar yeah. Allen comes from. Okay. They never formally adopt him, huh. but he does live with them well into adulthood. Okay. Well, whatever the 1800s version of that is. Yeah. Um, and as he became an adult, he kind of comes more into more conflict with his adopted father, Mr. Allen. Um, part of that is because Poe had a lot of debt associated okay. with him. He was going to secondary education at the University of Virginia, and that was expensive. And he was always asking for more money to... He would send the letter home. I didn't have enough money to furnish my apartment. I didn't have enough <laughs> money for books. I didn't have enough money for this. Mm-hmm. Come to find out he was gambling a lot of his money and his tuition away. No way. Yeah. College student squandering money. <laughs> right? I mean, student loans, right? Yeah. 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 That's why they all end up in debt. It's, it's, only, it's right. only the school. It's only the school. So Poe ends up having to drop out of the University of Virginia because he has squandered all his money away. So... Starting what is kind of a pattern for him, he enlists into the army under an assumed name. Okay. So the assumed name is kind of like his way to get out of trouble, it hmm. seems like, for a lot of things. Um, and under a... So he's in he's in the army. He's doing his training. He's doing his thing. And under a different assumed name, he puts out his first published writing collection. Okay. The Tamerlan and Other Poems. Hmm. And then... He decides he's going to go to West Point and become a cadet. Okay. But he fails. <laughs> and he's not really bummed about that because he decides he wants to be a writer instead. All right. And he should focus his attention on making a living out of that. So part of the problem with this, though, is that his adoptive family, not so adoptive since they didn't legally adopt him, but that's what we're going with. Uh-huh. Um, they're like, I don't like that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to make any money at that, man. Right? And he's like, no, that's what I'm going to do. And so they have a falling out. And the falling out isn't all due to that. Part of that is that Mrs. Allen dies. And Mr. Allen decides to get remarried. New Mrs. Allen is an old Mrs. Allen. I mean, uh-huh. that stepmom thing's always going to be an issue. But also it comes to light that Mr. Allen had been skulking around Virginia. And had gotten a bunch of people knocked up. Nice. So now he has a bunch of illegitimate general children. Huh. And that kind of pisses Poe off. I, I can understand, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not just from, like, the the moral side of it, but also the now his dad has to spend all this money on all these illegits, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't like that. So, somehow, Poe makes this I'm-going-to-be-in-the-literary-world thing work. And he goes to work at journals and periodicals as a um, literary critic basically and he's pretty vicious <laughs> uh, as a result of burning a lot of bridges <laughs> he, mm, he moves nice. all over the east coast so he ends up publishing his second book of poems um based on money that he raised from west point cadets they put together $170 and he published this book of poems. And they think, oh, this is going to be just like those little short poems yeah. <laughs> that he used to write about our superiors all the time. Yeah. Well, that's not exactly what it came out. It wasn't some little naughty poem about how Joe went to the bathroom and did something inappropriate. Uh-huh. It was instead these really deep, sad poems. Um, but he did end up dedicating that book to West Point. 
Okay. So then he decides, well, my family kind of sucks that adopted me. I'm going to go find my birth family. So he goes back to Baltimore where his brother is, his biological brother. And that's with his aunt and his cousin. Unfortunately, his brother is an alcoholic. All right. And dies not long after, which is really sad. Yeah. And Poe's like, you know what? This has told me I need to dedicate my life to poetry. Of course it does. <laughs> That's what you take from that. Yep. All right. So, I, I mean, I guess it helps him to be a darker writer, but, you know, whatever. And he picks the worst time to try to make a living solely on this. Like, he's the reason Starving Artist was yeah. derived. <laughs> it's it's pretty rough. Um, because publishers at that time were not paying for American literature. What they were doing was getting stuff over the press from Britain and republishing it without paying oh, them any nice. money. Huh. Right? They were stealing, basically. Yeah, yeah. So he's struggling to make a living as a writer, so he becomes the editor for the Southern Literary Messenger. This lasted two weeks. <laughs> because he starts boozing on the job. Mm-hmm. And they were like, eh, no, you should, you're, you're done. This is bad. Now, most people would be like, oh, I need to get my life together and like get it back and try to earn back people's good grace. He goes a different route. He thinks, I've just lost my only source of income. You know what I should do? I should go back to Baltimore and get married. <laughs> so he does to his 13-year-old cousin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a classic. Yep. Now, part of me, I kind of had had issues not knowing... Was this his adopted cousin? Was his his little? This is his literal blood first okay. cousin. Yeah, it's not. Huh. Like I was hoping at least it would be a little better. Yeah, yeah. But it no, wasn't. No. Yeah. No, no saving grace there. <laughs> no. All right. So he goes back to Southern Literary Messenger and says, "I will quit drinking. I promise you. Also, I have this new wife and my mother-in-law that are with me. They will make sure that I'm not drinking. <laughs> they take him back, and at some point." It's not real clear what happened here. In, like, the records, he had applied for a marriage license when he went back to Baltimore, but he didn't actually get married until he was in Virginia. And the reason that it's really important is because they had to have a witness state that Virginia, his cousin, Mm -hmm. was actually 22, not 13, to get married. Uh, There you go. Right. So he bounces around to various literary journals because, once again, he's kind of a jerk in his uh, literary criticisms until the 1840s when he's like, you know what? I should get in politics. <laughs> it's a good place for him. Right? That's what everybody does when they've tried everything else, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. So he's friends with a friend of a friend. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is friends with the son of President Tyler. Okay. And he somehow gets appointed to something called the Custom House, which I did not Google and I should have, in Philadelphia. Unfortunately, the day that he's supposed to be appointed to this position, mm-hmm. Poe is sick. Okay. And sick in a I had too much last night kind of way. Yeah. 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 It sounds like well, for sure the guy that was appointing him was like, he's a drunk. He's a notorious drunk. Yeah. And that's what happened. And Poe's uh-huh. like, No, 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 no. I promise you that's not what happened. I just was sick and he's like, I don't believe you. But I'll benefit of the doubt if something comes available, mm-hmm. you'll get appointed. He never did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
Did off he? to an auspicious start in his his campaign there. Right. right. Yeah, he's kind of a drunky drunk. Yeah. So if we fast forward to 1842, it's a beautiful evening. He's having a scotch, and his wife's playing the piano and singing to him, and all of a sudden starts coughing. And he goes, oh, no, she's broken a blood vessel in her throat because she starts coughing up blood. Yeah. Only this is the 1800s. Things are not that simple. Okay. So she has the consumption. Yeah, I was going to say, being in any kind of literary setting, you've got to have somebody come down with the consumption, right? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> just just a rule, I think. It, it was. So for those of you that don't know, consumption is actually tuberculosis, and it's highly infectious. I'm not sure how... Yeah, it's supposed to be super infectious. I mean, yeah. that's you know, the, the thing now that, you know, if you've traveled on an airplane and somebody has TV, they basically quarantine the heck out of everybody. And right. All but that good stuff. How does he and his mother-in-law not get sick? I, I'm very I confused yeah. about 1800s version of TB because yeah. you can still see bricks places where there's brick sidewalks that say don't spit on the sidewalk yeah, because yeah. it passed TB. Because you could get TB, but you have all these people that hang out with people that don't get TB. Yeah. It, yeah, I've got similar questions about other, yeah, I know. Completely unrelated topic, but like, uh, you know, one of my favorite physicists is uh, Richard Feynman, and his yeah. original wife had TB. Then how did he not and, get it? Yeah, you know, he didn't. Um, so weird. You know, I mean, she, she spent a lot of time in, you know, sanitariums, stuff like that, right. you know, where she was confined or whatever, but I mean, clearly he spent time with her, at least at some point, so. Right. So I don't know if they took crazy precautions, or you got lucky, or just some people were more susceptible more susceptible or you had some immunity or i have no idea but i bet it was all the booze he drank that probably yeah, like yeah. kept him from getting sick yeah tb couldn't put up with that crap so maybe yeah. yeah who knows well so the sicker she gets the more he drinks which is a normal corollary between people going through intense illnesses um so he was still working for various publications during this time doing editing and at this time, he accuses Henry Wadsworth Longfellow of plagiarism. Because remember, he's just kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Longfellow's just like, I don't, I don't care. Also, people <laughs> just didn't care about that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so he never addresses the fact that okay. he accuses him of this, which I find really funny. It's kind of like, eh, he's just an editor. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Longfellow. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. Then, during this time period, Poe gets published. And he, they publish his thing that he's probably best known for, The yeah. Raven. Okay, cool. Yeah, which was originally supposed to be a parrot. <laughs> that I did not know. Yes. and it's The parrot. The parrot. That, that doesn't seem to have the same feel at all. Right, no. but it makes more sense that a parrot would say words versus the a parrot. Raven. Yeah. Nevermore. That just doesn't... It doesn't go. It doesn't, doesn't go. Yeah. So um, not long after The Raven is published, and it's this huge sensation everybody knew it mm -hmm. his wife dies yeah and he becomes extremely unstable um and during his unstableness he tries to have a rebound relationship but he is a crazy drunk and so he starts to become really erratic and this woman that he's having the relationship mm -hmm. with her name is sarah whitman she's a poet up in providence rhode island and her mom's like I don't like this. Yeah. He's, you should not Stay marry away him. from that guy. Yeah, he's, he's really drunk. And in response to his, her mom keeping her away from him, mm -hmm. he's just like, whatever, I know a chick back in Virginia, and moves <laughs> back to Virginia to see some girl that he dated when he was like 15. It just... <laughs> logic. Anyhow. Um, so, then... We get to the part of Poe's life that's probably the most interesting, and it mm -hmm. really reflects his writing the most. 
his death. Okay. Right? Yeah. So it's really fitting that somebody that wrote about mysteries was the one that derived the term detective had such an interesting dark death. So Yeah, this is this is famous, but I don't actually know that much other than, you know, the the little famous. blurb that you see, you know, whatever. So continue, please. Yeah. <coughs> October 3rd, 1849. Edgar Allan Poe's found delirious on the streets of Boston. A guy walking on the streets finds him, and he's in great distress and needs assistance. So this guy's like, I'm going to take you to a hospital. Come with me. And Poe just does. Uh-huh. I don't know the details of all of that. But they get into a wagon. They get him to the hospital. Four days later, Poe is dead. Now for the mystery part. Yeah. Okay. Poe himself was never able to explain how he was found. He, he was incoherent. He wasn't making any sense. He was known for being a very nice dresser, always very mm-hmm. well put together. And when they found him, he was in weird clothing that he would not wear that was like beaten up, ripped, not his style, and a straw hat, also not his style. Huh. And he was also beaten up. Um, During the night before he dies, he calls out the name Reynolds repeatedly. And supposedly, right before his death, he says, Lord, help my poor soul. Hmm. Now, it's interesting because all the medical records are gone and his death certificate's missing. Huh. Now, this was the 1970s and his death certificate was missing. My guess would be he faked his death. Yeah. He pulled an Elvis, <laughs> and he's out there. He likes to change his name. Why isn't go. that a thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's what happened here. But he could be. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, sure. Sounds like he made some enemies that uh, were fairly well-placed. But... Well, so all the newspapers, remember he's a literary agent who's pissed everybody off by being yeah, a dick yeah. for the last 10 years, <laughs> um, starts to report his death. And they are saying he's died of cerebral inflammation, congestion of the brain. This is all code for alcoholism. Yeah. But that's not exactly what they think happened. Okay. So here's some general speculation. Theories have ranged from epilepsy, syphilis, meningitis inflammation, cholera, rabies, or something called cooping, which I'll get into. All right. All right. So, let's get into these theories. When brought to the hospital, they put him in a drunk tank. It's basically a prison cell room. There's no windows, no visitors, nothing, right? Mm -hmm. The only visitor he had was Dr. Moran. And at this point, that's who we have all of the tales from. That's who we think he said Ray Reynolds too. That's who he said, oh, bless my poor soul. Okay. But he, when he dies, Dr. Moran's credibility goes out the window. Huh. He starts telling everybody about this death, but every time he tells somebody, the story changes. That's not good. He says he immediately notified Virginia Clem's mother to let him know of Poe's passing. It took over a month for him <laughs> to notify her. That's, uh, that's not quite immediate. Right. He never filled out any medical records. He never signed a death certificate. And he often would say things that just were inconsistent with the whole story. Huh. The most important thing, though, was that he reported that he did not smell alcohol on Poe. Okay. So he doesn't think that he was drinking, which is interesting because Poe had signed a temperance agreement not long before his death, maybe a month or two. Okay. And at the time, um, Alcoholic Anonymous has grown quite a bit since then. Now it's Mm -hmm. actually anonymous. Then when you went to a temperance meeting and said you wouldn't drink anymore... 
they would publish your name in a newspaper okay. so that if people saw you drinking, they could belittle you and nice. shame you. There you go. Right? Good old public shaming. Right. So he probably was not drinking. Mm-hmm. But they used this as propaganda to get people not to drink during this time period was that he fell off the wagon and looked what happened to him. Okay, yeah. So it was a big, big movement. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of his friends later said that he didn't really drink all that often. He would when he was really stressed out. Mm-hmm. But for him, drinking was one drink because he was drunk after one. Huh. So it's not like he was... And yeah, yeah. Hardcore alcoholic uh-huh. necessarily. Destroying his liver and whatnot, you know. Right? Yeah. Another theory said that he was doing opium because okay. he did try to commit suicide one time after right after his wife died when he was in the throes of his erratic behavior. Yeah, yeah. Um there's actually a really famous photo of him, Dogger type. And is hmm. that a photo? We're yeah, going. effectively, yeah. Yeah. In an early photo. Yeah. So there's one of him that he has really deep circles under his eyes that's two days after he tried to commit suicide. Okay. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that he, there was no indication that he ever did drugs on the regular other than that one time. Um, in fact, somebody who hated him mm-hmm. was like, look, I may not have liked the guy, but he was a lot of things, but he was not an opium addict. Okay. He did not do drugs. I wish I could say that he did, <laughs> but he didn't. Um, then in 2006, they did some tests to pose hair to see if they could come up with a cause of death. Because like, mm-hmm. you can test for heavy metals, because yeah. there was some theory that he died of mercury poisoning. Yeah. But it was at normal levels. Okay. So that wasn't a no-go. There was a cholera epidemic in Boston at the time of his death. Um, and actually, his aunt would tell people that that's what he died of. It definitely okay. was nothing else. Huh. And then at one point, there was um, an argument that he had obviously died of rabies. Ah, uh, rabies. But he didn't have any of the symptoms uh-huh. of rabies. He wasn't hydrophobic. He wasn't, he wasn't foaming at the mouth. Freaking out. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was just not nothing. Okay. Nothing. Huh. So there's really no. Yeah. Nobody really knows. Oh, I forgot to tell you what Cooping was. So the night that they find him was the night of the elections mm-hmm. in um, that October. And what Cooping is, is they would take people off the street and they would ply them with alcohol, uh-huh. take them to a voting booth and force them to vote for the most popular candidate. If you didn't want to go with them or you didn't go quickly, they would beat the hell out of you. Okay. Um, and then they would ply you with alcohol. And then if you still weren't doing what they wanted, they'd ply you with more alcohol. Yeah. And then take you from voting booth to voting booth, committing okay. voter fraud. Mm-hmm. And so they thought that he was a victim of this because there was a lot of it going on at the time. Okay. And people often were injured or even murdered doing this. So that they've never really been able to verify. Hmm. Because yeah. I don't think voting... Yeah, yeah, it'd be a little hard to verify. Right. <laughs> a crime someone did not want to cop to. But yeah. Right, and like, what do you do for voter polls during that time? I don't yeah, know if they had yeah. to sign something. Or, yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know how they would verify anything, but yeah. That is actually always a mystery to me prior to, you know, electronic whatever. How did you... How did they even track the How did they track anybody anywhere with anything? You know, like I... Can you imagine the number of X's that they got? Because when people yeah. couldn't figure out how to sign their name, they always put an X. Yeah, I just figured they just kind of went with it. And, uh, you know... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, there's no answers here. There's just a lot of... A lot of strange questions. Yeah, and every once in a while they come up with a new test to run on DNA and stuff like that. But I mm-hmm. don't think that there's anything that they can really come up with. Um, yeah. I mean, functionally, the dude died of a broken heart, like, at this point. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's go down our rabbit hole, because actually, some of this is more interesting than (laughs) other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. 
Edgar Allan Poe's one and only novel was called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. And this is actually super fascinating. It's about a boat capsizing and the crew members draw straws for who would be eaten. And they drew straws and the person that lost was named Richard Parker. Mm -hmm. The book bombs. Yeah. Even though Poe says it's a true story. Nobody believes him. And then... This one's fascinating. Yeah. They were right because at the time it wasn't true. But five years later, something similar happened. And the same, like, the same lead person in the Mm -hmm. incident was named Richard Richard Parker. Parker. Yep. But there was no cannibalism. But in 1884, there was another shipwreck where there was cannibalism. And the person (laughs) they ate... Was named Richard Parker. Yeah, yeah. Just don't be named Richard Parker. That's, yeah, don't get on a boat if your name yeah, is Richard Parker, kidding. right? Okay, another thing. He was an early adopter of the genre of science fiction. Um, in 1844, he published a book called The Balloon, or I'm sorry, a story called The Balloon, and he described a lighter-than-air balloon that crosses the Atlantic Ocean in three days. And <laughs> it was so unbelievable yeah. They had to retract the story because everyone was like, this is so stupid. (laughs) But they somehow made a ton of money from the story overall because they're like, no, take it back, take it back. But they'd already sold out. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't give him a penny. Oh, that sucks. So he had a lifelong hatred for The Sun, which published this. All right. Because they made bank. Hmm. He made nada. All right. Another thing was that he really enjoyed space and cosmology. Uh, He wrote an essay in 1848 called Eureka, and he proposed a theory that was way before its time. He proposed the Big Bang Theory. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it was finally formally theorized 80 years later. Um, When he published it, he thought this was going to be his career's masterpiece, and it obviously was not. (laughs) His career masterpiece was The Raven. Mm -hmm. Um, And his fame went from zero to, you know, sky's the limit overnight. Kids memorized this poem, and they used to follow him on the street, flapping their arms, and, <laughs> and they would caw at him. And he would turn around, and he'd give them a stern look, and then he'd smile, and he'd say, never more. And <laughs> that's awesome. It is. So people always think that he was going to be super grumpy and just kind of bitchy because, you know, that's yeah. kind of what his persona is. But he wasn't. He was actually just really lighthearted and fun. Mm. So he found that kind of cool that these kids yeah, yeah, immortalized awesome. them like that. All right. Now for the big story about post-death. Okay. For 70 years after he died, an anonymous man would visit Poe's grave early in the mornings on January 19th, which is Poe's birthday. Mm-hmm. And they call this man the toaster because he would show up dressed all in black with a big wide hat and a white scarf with a silver cane. Okay. And he would pour a glass of cognac, raise a toast to Poe, and then he would leave three roses and the unfinished bottle of cognac on the grave. And he would do this every year. And eventually people started to notice this. Mm -hmm. And so every year on this day, they would watch. (laughs) Most of the time they didn't, they couldn't even find him because he was so quiet about it. Yeah. Um, he was never photographed and only handfuls of time over 70 years seen. So it actually wasn't right after his death. It was in the 1930s and it went until 2009. So what huh. they think happened was that it passed from father to son okay. on down. And like it gets, it gets kind of nutty huh. as you go because 
over time there's like letters left and they think that anytime something is outside of the normal because it's kind of at first it's low key and then like a note Mm -hmm. gets left behind and they're like oh it's because the son took over and he's rebelling against this image and then eventually he acquiesces and blah 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 (laughs) blah, right so (laughs) several of these unfinished bottles um of cognac are housed at the poe museum and i can't even imagine they think at least two sons wow this was passed too that's amazing um, and people started to really want to know what what the story behind this is. Oh, yeah. So in 2009, well, in 2006, they attempt to detain him because <laughs> um, a crowd is gathering to watch this every year. Yeah. And he's kind of thrown off, but he still comes back until at least 2009. Sadly, in 2010, he did not return. Mm-hmm. And they think in part that's because it was like the bicentennial celebration of his death and that maybe his penance was done personally i like to believe that he had pissed off somebody and they felt bad about his death or maybe it was the person that poisoned him like i have all sorts of conspiracies of course right maybe it's poe himself and then his kids right because he changed his name there is no death certificate (laughs) um this tradition is so important to maryland and Mm -hmm. baltimore area that they actually did a contest to hire a new man in black, a new toaster. <laughs> nice. Because it's so important to like their history and to the story. So they did, only the new toaster is a fucking hot mess. <laughs> so the new guy comes in in 2016 and he shows up dressed like the original guy with the hat and the, you know, the stuff. And for whatever fucking reason they decided this was a great plan, he starts to play the dance macabre on a violin. <laughs> he toasts Poe with some Italian verse that basically means glory paid to one's ashes comes too late. And it's so dramatic. Like, that was not the point. But Like, the yeah. original thing was it was a silent toast between two buds and, like, mm-hmm. it was your final what poor one for your homies situation. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> So I guess they're still doing that. That just is fucking weird to me. <laughs> like now it's a game. Before yeah. it was like just subtle. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, this is Edgar Allan Poe and the hot mess that he was. And and yeah, that's it's so interesting to think that like it's several years after his death that this starts. Yeah. Like what prompted that? That seems like late life guilt to me. Yeah. That, that sounds interesting. Yeah. You just want to know what's up. Yeah. It's weird that they never never tracked that down better figured out who it was or whatever yeah i think i would have enjoyed it more if they had left him in peace and let the tradition continue yeah because once they disturbed him it's like it kind yeah, of went that, downhill kind of shot it yeah, yeah. <sighs> bummer yeah poe's pretty cool it's, yeah it's interesting how someone such a mess could be yeah no i mean it's amazing how famous he is i mean you know i mean yeah even to the point where, you, you know, you've got Baltimore's NFL team or the Ravens and you right. know, trying to think of any other literary named NFL team. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah it's it's, it's kind of wild. So It is. And it's it's interesting how important he's been to literature. I mean, this is something that you read. Everybody reads Raven at some point. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's one thing that I found kind of interesting was I remember reading, you know, Poe in middle school or whatever else. Yeah. And it was, I feel bad about it, but I at the time I read it and it was always kind of like, oh, I've read that before. Because it was like, everything was like, it seemed stale because I had read some version of that story 20 times right. before. And then you're finally, I'm old enough to realize, no, that's, you know, that's where it all comes from. Like, oh, you know, 
it's truly the original and all these other things. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I know where this is going because this has got to happen. And, you know, it's like, well, that was the first time it actually happened. And, you know. It's, right. And it's sad because we don't appreciate things when we learn them as youth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You learn Shakespeare in high school and you're like, yeah, whatever. And then you yep. read, read it as an adult and you're like, these kids are 15 and 16. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about Romeo and Juliet. You're like, this is just a story about two stupid kids. <laughs> that, that's the whole point is two stupid kids being stupid. And, uh, everybody makes it like this is this giant love story that, you know, it's not, it's I not rewatched at all. it here it is, recently. It is not, that is not the point. But. The Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes uh, version. We, we, we've got it actually upstairs. I we rented it. We've been waiting to watch it because, you know, I've not seen it. Annika is waiting oh. to see it because they just read Romeo and Juliet and she was horrified by no Romeo and Juliet. And we're like, these people are stupid. And it is. Uh, they met like, each yep. other like two seconds ago and he was heartbroken over yeah. someone else. And then all of a sudden it's like, I only have eyes for this person I've known by yeah. vision for yeah, two yeah. seconds. I mean, I think it's pretty much an inherent satire on the whole thing. And, and yeah, yeah, but somehow that doesn't still doesn't seem to like, you know, culturally translates like individuals talk about this, but we still keep referring to it as this great love story, which is interesting because it's not. I but, think we do because it's the, cultural memory now yeah yeah it's because everyone else has always said that that's yeah, what yeah. it is i mean when you break out and you love story, it's romeo and juliet and you're yeah like, romeo you're like, and juliet. it's not really what? a no, great not, love story not really yeah yeah i want to have the weird love story that's just the people that sit on their couch and watch tv with their cats like yeah yeah that seems like a solid story <laughs> there's a love story drama yeah. is like calm down yeah yeah no they're they're pretty entertaining but yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I do love Shakespeare, though. When I was little, I used to perform it in my living room because nice. uh, Merchant of Venice was my first one. Okay. I had a little pocket version. And when I first learned how to read, mm-hmm. um, I read it and then decided to perform it for my family. Only I couldn't remember the lines because I was a very small and very precocious. <laughs> and so I just yelled random lines from Shakespeare that I could remember. <laughs> <That's awesome>. Yeah. <laughs> and then I forced my family to pay to watch me to do it. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, out damn spot was nice. said. Um, <laughs> I believe I danced with a lamp and sang You Light Up My Life very poorly because, as we know, I cannot sing. <laughs> it was good times. Oh, please tell me this is recorded somewhere. No, oh. I was just a dramatic little kid. I used to um, get annoyed because I was a latchkey kid mm-hmm. and my brother wanted to play with his friends. So it was the 80s and we had these giant dolls that looked like people. And I would put them in the living room. And if I ran out of dolls, I would draw paper faces and stick them in clothes and sit in the living room and have conversations with them nice. until my parents came home. And then I would be like, well, you shouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> I had to make up friends. <laughs> dramatic, guys. I nice. was dramatic. Impressive. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was small oh, child psychosis. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Oh. Yeah, no, I didn't do anything anywhere near that fun. So, yeah. I lived in a very rich fantasy world. Um, I think my family would tell you to this day I still do. Yeah, well, you know. I did too. I think I just kept it to myself. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, yeah. You know. As as per you can tell, I've always liked to tell people stories. Mm-hmm. And that just gets out sometimes. No, it's good. It escapes me. We are all benefiting, so good deal. <laughs> all right. Well, well, Will. Yeah, I think that that wraps, that wraps us up. up. Poe. All right, good deal. Well, yeah, no, I, I love a good Edgar Allan Poe story. It's always fascinating. You know, I, yeah, it's just a cool topic. It is. He's an interesting character who's very inconsistent, but has patterns that he fell into. Yeah, he liked to change his name. He liked to drink, and when he stopped drinking, 
His life went to hell in a handbasket, yeah, actually. Yeah, I just got to wrap this up. I just recently I came across like an onion story, which are always great. <laughs> and it was basically a thing of people unearthing this brief period of Poe's life where he took up jogging and became happy-go-lucky. And has he all was these, happy-go-lucky. Has all these, you know, all of the various stories published during that time that are about the beautiful little flower and everything else. And then, you know, then his jogging career came to an end when he, you know, blew his knee and then he went back into depression and you know that's when the, the rest came yeah about. exactly yeah so that was, <laughs> was like as a as a presently hurt jogger I, I totally feel his pain so there you go yeah as a retired jogger <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh, i don't jog yeah yeah all right well thank you very much and yeah. thank you all for listening this week um remember to rate review subscribe we're on spotify itunes and Stitcher. Stitcher. And, uh, yeah, you can always find us on Buzzsprout, which is the host site as well. So you yep. just go to Buzzsprout and look us up. I guess we're at uh, don'tlooknow.buzzsprout.com, I believe. So you can always yep. get us to there. Uh, thank you for Hollow State Audio for our intro and outro music, as always. Yep. And uh, we will catch you. Oh, yeah. And feel free to write us at uh, don'tlooknow19 or at on gmail.com so yeah our, our facebook page we're all over the place yep you can find us we're trying let us know if you got something you want us to talk about or you got feedback for us in any way so we will catch you all later thank you thank you bye-bye